Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Alright guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am your host, Yanari Gold, and I am not shaved. Uh, I have a long, nasty beard that I need to clean up, but uh, I am here with my friends, friends and co-hosts, uh, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. Fellas, how are you guys this week? We're doing good. I like that hat. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, this is that special one that, that they made so I could wear a snap since I usually only wear fitted. So I like this one, too, though. Thank you. George betraying us. We, we came, we got the, we got the notice, but I, John, John doesn't. I don't know what's going on, man. What are you talking about? I've worn the hat every single week, except, except for, for this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all good. I can take a break. Can you? I don't know. It's our livelihood at the, on the line here, John. I don't know if we should be taking a break. Uh, <laughs> we need the money. <laughs> we kind of need this. Um, all right. Well, good. I'm glad you guys are having a good week. Buy some hats. Uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, we have merch. Go buy hats. Uh, you can check us out on lasthandstats.com, laststandhats.com, or you can check out uh, on Texans on Filter. Just hit the merch button. Um, we're on the customer's partner tab on laststandhats.com. Uh, big shout-out to Mike uh, uh, at Last Stand Hats. He's based in Austin, makes a very high-quality product. These hats are extremely dope. We're working on a second run of hats uh, to come your way here soon. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Aiden at knows what's up. Who? Aiden. Aiden. Love the Astro hat. He knows what's up. Oh, no, no, no. That's no, too much. Not, <laughs> still too soon. I was going into my – he, like, interrupted my thing for that. And was, I know. I did that on purpose. It was baseball-related. Like, <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungAriGold. Uh, you can also follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. And you can follow Patrick Storm at the Patrick Storm on Twitter as well. Uh, please take a minute to follow us. It's the easiest way for you guys to support the pod. Uh, make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe button while watching this video. We really appreciate it. We're trying to grow as much as we can. We need you guys to be able to do that. Um, Make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered uh, to become a Patreon member. Uh, we do exclusive content for our Patreon members, so if you have any interest as the season is ramping up, want to get more information about your Texans, want to see different things that are happening behind the scenes, make sure you guys go to Patreon. Also, I have something extremely special for the Patreons uh, this week. If you guys go and join Tier 3, um, we are going. you'll be able to take part in sending something to a Texans player. So we're going to put together a welcome to Houston package for David Johnson. So this is your opportunity to send something to David that you think is cool about Houston, whether it be your favorite restaurant, um, you know, favorite uh, yoga place, you have a hidden bike trail that nobody talks about, or a hiking place, a uh, local swimming hole. Either way, this is your chance to share those with David Johnson. So at the end of this week, uh, we'll reach out to all our Tier 3 members and have them add what they would like for David Johnson. So really cool, really unique thing that you'll be able to do. If you guys have any interest in doing that, go to patreon.com backslash Unfiltered. Okay. Uh, and make sure you guys go to the website, www.texansunfiltered.com. You know what's cool about that website? You have the lead writer right here, this guy. That's Jordan. He's Texans underscore thoughts, and he provides the content that you guys need. Now, Jordan, though, I have woken up early these last two weeks, and I've started to put together some content. It's been I'm really excited, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to push you a little bit. 
They're uh, coming for my brand. So Damn. just watch out. I've changed my okay, routine okay. up, man. I've watched. I've changed my routine. Okay, a uh, couple announcements. Uh, really cool things, obviously. Um, opening game event. So uh, we'll get into you know the opening and the season and things of that nature later. But we are doing our second annual uh, opening game event at Kobo's Q in Atascacita on September 10th. It is outdoors. There will be TVs. There will be barbecue. There will be social distancing. We will take part in this. We will manage it. We want to make sure that we can all get together. So we thought the best thing we could do is get outside and socially distance while also enjoying our favorite football team. Uh, watch them spank the Kansas City Chiefs on opening night. Uh, so Kobo's Q in Atascacita on September 10th starts at 5:30. It is BYOB. Uh, so that therefore, if you guys want to bring, um, you know, whatever your favorite drinks are, feel free to do so. Um, and yeah, they're really excited about this. Really, really. James really is going to make me talk to people this year. Yeah, this year I get to sit and do nothing and watch the game while John has to mingle and not be an introvert for the first time in his life. Well, this time I'll actually drink a beer. So, you know, not having to wake up the next morning mm. and drive back to Austin, that's going to help. And I'll drink a couple of beers and I will talk to people this time. Absolutely. I won't hide in my chair. That's great. That's great. I'm glad that I'll be able to watch a game, but obviously I'll still be there to, to mingle. Is that just what I do best? Um, shirts are on the way. We have multiple shirts being worked on right now. Uh, shout out to D Texan. Uh, David is working on uh, something extremely special that I'm really excited to uh, to show you guys. It should be done rather soon. So um, these shirts are going to be extremely dope. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Carlos. Thank you for joining the stream. Chris, Daniel, Aiden, Sergio. Freddie, everybody, thank you. Daniel, one of my favorite. Daniel Blake Hill, thank you for joining the stream. JW Football, obviously. Carlos, uh, Angel, Nathan, Preston, you don't count, so get out of here. And Giovanni, um, thanks for joining the but, stream, but guys. Preston and time out again. Yeah, I think just, it's time. Just because. I, I think it's time. He said 0-16. I think it's time. I think it's time. Uh, all right, guys. Well, a week of some news, right? I mean, some relevant news regarding the Texans this week. Uh, regarding the NFL in general. So I think we should probably start there. It looks like we have football this season. Now, whether it will be a full season or not, we at least, it looks like we have a plan in place to be able to start the season, react, or don't. Either way. <laughs> I mean, I want football. We like football. We, I mean, Obviously, I've got to shout this out. We've done this for uh, four years now, me and James, just about every week. I think in total over four years, we've missed like six weeks. Like it's absolutely ridiculous when I went back through just kind of trying to count up how many how many times we've missed a show. It doesn't happen. Obviously, we want football. We want things to talk about. Um, we will suffer through even a horrible, horrible season if it's Texans football. So we want it. I have no idea if it's going to happen. Uh, they're going to at least get one game in. Uh, I'll bet. I'll bet money on that. But after that, who knows? Yeah, you know the interesting thing. I think we're all in kind of the agreement that the season will start. The NFL owners they want their money. The players have been vocal that they want to play too. It's going to start. The question is definitely how long it's going to last, and it's going to kind of suck because of the Texans' schedule. How kind of top heavy it is in the first couple games, first four games. If we don't get a chance to kind of get in a rhythm and build that continuity and chemistry throughout the season, if it gets shut shut down quickly, 
you know, the narrative that the Texans are, are one of the worst teams in the league, that's going to still keep up. You know what I mean? So that's going to kind of suck if we're not allowed to have a full season to, to show us, to show the league what, what we're made of. You know what I mean? What do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think, I think there's a chance that, um, you know, the season could, could actually happen fully. Uh, you know, the good thing about them, uh, the NFL in general, is it's starting later than everywhere else. So they're going to be able to learn from the MLB, from NHL, from L- MLS, from the NBA. Uh, the NBA is doing it right, obviously. I mean, they have, I think it was 346 players in the bubble, zero tested positive. So they have the, the process and routine in place for them to be able to manage that. Now, it's a little bit different from a, from a scale perspective as we're talking about, uh, you know, 53 players, another 15 to 20 coaches. Uh, it, it's going to be hard. You can't do a bubble in the NFL. But I, I think that there's a chance that the season can continue and, and go all the way through if, uh, you know, if, if the country gets a hold of the pandemic and gets a hold of COVID-19. Um, there's a good chance that we see it. But it, it's all going to be dependent on local governments and things of that nature. I'm just glad that we're starting. Um, we have an idea uh, we, we know there will be a game at least. Um, outside of that, you know, just kind of prayers to the rest, and let's just hope that, you know, the players are responsible. They're not going out and doing things, you know, out partying with James Harden at a club and, uh, you know, just passing around all types of saliva and getting Russ, you know, COVID-19 and things like that. We can't have that happen. So hopefully uh, NFL players take it a little bit more serious. Um, but I'm excited. I think it's I think it's dope that – we have an idea that there's there's a plan in place. And even though it took last minute, um, you know, I, there's a plan. And as long as said plan is executed, gives us something to talk about. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally good with it. Totally good with it. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting ideas that may come out of it. I've heard everything from 80-man rosters, which I think will be a godsend to the NFL, to extra bye weeks. I think both of those things will end up even sticking around because they'll improve the quality of play. One of the biggest problems about the NFL currently is how much, how restricted they are on roster space. So the quality of games actually towards the middle of the season really drop off because there's so many people that are hurt. Now, if you extend your rosters um, and you have more bye weeks, I think that'll give us an opportunity to see better quality players stay healthier longer. That's a great point, actually. I never even thought about that. Um I don't know. I, I wish we could have done the bubble thing because the bubble thing with the NBA has been so successful. It's been so entertaining to watch. And if we could have done like a bubble per, I don't know, per division, maybe that would have worked numbers wise. But like James said, it's just it's just not practical, unfortunately. Um, you can't get all those people in there. But yeah, I'm excited to see because we we need this. We need this season. We need sports. You know, um, we need entertainment. We need the distraction from our lives, the escape. And and I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I, like I said, the fact that there's a plan in place, we have an idea, it looks like training camp's going to happen. Um, we're headed in the right direction. We just need the players and everybody else. And it sucks, you know, it's kind of shitty to be like say, well, players, you know, do nothing. And, you know, don't go to HEB and don't go, you know, I, that sucks. But, man, I would love to, uh, I would love to just see it happen. Um, we have so much to, like, watch with this team. And it's, I want to see it come to fruition. So, uh, yeah. And talk about Bill O'Brien getting bailed out by something that nobody can predict. Not having those first round pick and having a first and second round pick next year, like, this is the year to actually, this is the time to have it. Like, he got bailed out by, by someone. And honestly, if we went to an 80 man roster, that's six cuts 
off the current team. Yep. That Bill O'Brien, I, I, I can't say he's a genius, but he sure as hell lucked out. Well, we can say that from a uh, – obviously the Tunsil trade, that that doesn't play a part in this. But, you know, his his thought and his whole approach has been the veteran year. This is a veteran year. And he never bought into the fact, it seems, that this was going to go away and that, you know, rookies would – you know, it's okay if rookies take away snaps from vets – He's been on it from the moment that this started, and uh, I don't know if it's you know they were the first team to hire like a um, like a, a special person related to COVID. Uh, they were the first person, the first team to hire somebody like uh, I forgot what the title was, but it was basically like sanitization and and cleaning and things of that nature. So um, he's been ahead of it, but uh, I don't know how much credit we can really give him. Um, at the end of the day, though, it is a vet year and smallest. Uh, NFL smallest uh, rookie class in Texans history, and might be the year to actually have that. He's a psychic. He's got he's got a little crystal ball in his office. No one knows about that Ivy League education right there. Mm-hmm. That's why Cal kept him. He was working with HEB. There you go. HEB was letting him know because HEB had the best disaster preparedness. They knew. They let they let Bob know. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned HEB because that, that might be like really close. Like that's, it's the largest, it's the largest rest, uh, uh, grocery store chain in the country. They, I bet that they had an idea of what was coming and at, to an extent. No, no, they have actually talked about HEB, um, how prepared they were, should be used as a model for governments. Like that's not even a joke. I'm going to shoot and send you that, that article. HEB was better prepared than several, well, definitely our government. But they actually had contingency plans in place. They had better modeling. They knew what was going on better than our own governor. Yeah, and Deshaun that, did. That's did not an exaggeration. That's a true story. Yeah. Damn. And Deshaun did commercials with them, so there's there's another connection. So it's you know, HEB yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, what up, Renee? Uh, all right, so. We have that. Uh, so football's happening. That's amazing. That's what we needed. Um, do we want to get into this Redskins stuff, or do we want to keep it Texans-related? We talked about it a little bit last week, me and George. Oh, did. perfect. Then we don't need to touch it at yeah, all. Yeah, you don't listen to us. I was actually watching the whole time, but I was playing with kids and all this other stuff. I was even trying to mess with you guys in the chat, but I don't know if it worked or not. Um, all right. Uh, Derek Henry signs a long-term extension with the Titans. Uh, I think we need to get in this because I know two weeks ago we, we thought that there wasn't going to be an extension. Uh, there was a extension, a pretty pretty significant extension. Uh, well deserved though. Um, you know, Derrick Henry was their entire offense. Ha- kind of has been. Um, they had Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Not really, you know, not really scaring uh, opposing defenses. So, um, I mean, I think it's a good move. I, I don't. He's obviously not going to make it the whole time of, you know, the, in the entire time of that contract. But uh, Derrick Henry's a hell of a running back. And there was a stat earlier today. It was like, I, I forgot what it was. I wish I would have saved it. But it was compared to, like, all the other running backs, like yards per carry with nine men in the nine men in the box or something crazy like that. He still averaged, like, 4.63 yards per carry. The next closest was, like, 3.25. Um, just nuts. I mean, Derrick Henry is a freaking monster. But you don't pay running backs, at least in my opinion. You don't pay running backs. 
Uh, One-year deals, totally different. Contracts like this, I would steer clear. And uh, considering they have $168 million over four years tied into Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, um, good news for Texans fans, in my opinion. Jordan? Yeah, we... Oh, oh sorry. John, John? No, John. 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 John, Jordan. We actually talked about We're still this. learning. We're still learning all this. Yeah, you know. Uh, we actually talked about this a little bit last week, too, and both me and Jordan were wrong. We didn't think they were going to pay him. The announcement came out that they weren't going to pay him. They paid him. Um, typically, the smart move in the NFL is not to pay running backs whenever you pay a franchise running back. That's typically you're paying them from work they have done, not work that they're going to do. And... That's what they've done. But, however, as we also said last week, if there was one running back that you do pay, it is Derrick Henry because that was their team. Jordan, yeah. Sorry, I was looking up the the exact contract, but my initial thoughts was was great because, like we've been saying, running backs don't win games. They don't win you big games, even if they help you get out to a even if they help you get out to a lead. The Titans had a lead over the Chiefs. Yep. Derrick yeah, Henry but they don't, they're they not beating the Ravens without Derrick Henry. Yeah, okay, so they, they'll they beat teams that also focus on the run game, if that makes sense. Yeah, they beat I mean, the Ravens old school football, the Ravens, they'll do the smash mouth. And, yeah. And I would argue the Titans aren't a playoff team last year without Derrick Henry. He is their key step. Agreed. He absolutely is. It's not Tannehill. It's, A.J. Brown's going to be a beast of a receiver. I like him a lot. And they have a decent defense. They have a Pretty good defense, actually. But they're not going to the playoffs without Derrick Henry. They're not beating the Patriots, and they're not beating the Ravens without Derrick Henry. Granted, you're absolutely right. When you rely on Derrick Henry, you're not going to come from behind. Um, It's the same issue that the Ravens had with their running game. You can't come from behind. The modern NFL, for the most part, scores too fast to be that reliant on a running back. However, However, it does happen. Yeah, I mean, look, Derrick Henry is a great running back. He is their offense. Uh, both of you are right to an extent. Like, I mean, without him, they don't beat the Ravens. Um, but at the same time, having him is also why they didn't beat the Chiefs. Um, right. So you know, it, it's you know, it's it's just uh, it's one of those things. But had they had a more balanced offense and a quarterback that could throw, um, they probably would have beat the Chiefs. Uh, well, they have they to have were. a Seahawk Legion of Doom type defense to run with yeah. the running game. Like the Legion of Legion of Boom did r- win with Marshawn Lynch, and then they transitioned up over to Russell Russell Wilson. I, you know, why is his name so hard to say? Um, but you have to have that level, like a just generational level defense to win with the running game nowadays, because teams can score so quickly. Yeah, so the other thing I want to touch on is the actual like, contract itself. So you got four years, $50 million, which is 12.5 average per year, which is only the fifth highest running back contract in the NFL. So from the Titans' point of view, they locked up a lot of money over the span of the years, but it wasn't the worst. Like Derrick Henry should have easily destroyed the – reset the market, that's the word. Um, but he didn't. Um, and anyways, what else was I going to say? I was going to say the thing about running backs – Derrick Henry has a lot of mileage on his legs. And that's my concern. Who get, who get their second contract, that's usually when it starts to go downhill. We've just yeah. recently seen it. Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell. That, especially that first year that after they come off getting paid, they come in out of shape. 
they come in a little less motivated to get the bag. You know what I mean? So we can see a little bit of decline, and it's going to happen. That's just how running backs are. So, well, not only that, like, can you talk about it? Like, just a minute ago, when you're a running back and you get paid, you're getting paid for work that you have done, not work you're going to do. Yeah, but when you look at Henry, I can't think of another top-tier back that's gotten paid that has been used more than Henry over the last five years. Like, we're talking about a guy who is, I mean, I, I haven't looked at his stats, but if I had to guess, he's over 400 carries at least these last two years, um, if not close to it. I mean, this guy has been their offense, so there's a ton of usage, tons of wear on those tires. Like, I just, that's the biggest reason why I wouldn't have wanted to pay him long-term, but, you know. Is what it is. I would have franchised him for one more year and then just kind of let him walk. But uh, I think yeah. that would have been the smart, smart decision. But what do we know? He's had, let's see, he's had 500 over the past two years, 800 in his career. So he's had 861 total touches last year. He had 321 touches year before, 230, 187, 123. So typically, he's actually de- hasn't been touching the ball that much. No. Wow. I'm shocked. I'm very shocked. Wow. It's just those first two years where he only got 100 each season. That's crazy. Didn't he get hurt, yeah. though? But, if the, but they can't continue to do this is basically what we're trying to get. Correct. At. Right. He, there's no way. Like, he's not going to last those first four years, which is what you said already. So. And I mean, 312. I could have sworn he broke 400 last I thought year. I, so. Yeah, I just assumed. I, like I said, I didn't look at the stats. Wow. But okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, so that's that. Uh, I, I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, the Texans have bottled up Henry when he, when they've needed to, so it doesn't really worry me. Uh, all right, here, here's something that does worry me: Jadavian Clowney to the Titans. I called it a couple of months ago. This is picked Actually, up. I didn't call it. This has picked up a lot of a lot of steam. There's a lot of smoke around it. I don't like it because we're gonna have to face them twice a year. Um, and if and, and you know Clowney's always due for either a primetime game or you know he's Philadelphia last year. You know he just he has those games. And I'm I'm so concerned that those two are going to be against us uh, if he does sign with the Titans. Uh, Jordan, with Jadavian Clowney, if he does sign with the Titans, do they have the best defense in the AFC South? Personnel-wise, yes, but that's a very low bar. I think what made the Titans' defense so great last year and the past couple years is their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, who has been... One of the best in the NFL for a while. His blitzing ability, his ability to um, show the quarterback a different picture, pre-snap and post-snap, all that sort of stuff, really elevated their defense. And they were always one of the best teams in sacks, turnovers, created all that, all those metrics. But now he's gone, and Vrabel's here. And we've seen what Vrabel does as a DC. So that's that's really the main reason that's leading me to not really be too scared about the, about the Titans, because the defense, I'm not scared about it. Now, personnel-wise, adding Clowney, that's what they've been missing, is an actual pass rusher, and that's what's forced them into all those blitzes that I talked about because they didn't have a real pass rusher. Harold Landry was their best guy. Um, can't really think about anyone else. But adding Clowney is definitely a scary thought. I would, I, If he's in the division, you know, that would, just, that would just hurt Bill O'Brien. And so that part of me wants that to happen. 
but and the and the and the clowny fan in myself really wants to see him succeed. I want to see him put in the best position possible, but it would hurt to see it happen against us. For sure. John, yeah, it's one of those where I thought it was common knowledge, but it's been out there that the only team that he would really give a discount to is the Titans because he wants to play for Vrabel again. Um, he would take a short term at a discount rate because he thinks Vrabel's the best coach that he's ever had. And whether or not that's true, because we kind of saw how Vrabel was as a defensive coordinator, but as a linebacker coach, like, he was really good. And Clowney believed that with Vrabel, they w- he would put him in a position to actually get the contract that he thinks he deserves. And, you know, we are all huge Clowney fans. So I want him to get paid. I want him – I would actually like him to go to the Patriots because I think that Belichick would really make him shine. Um, I wouldn't like it as a Texans fan but as a Clowney fan. However, he's probably going to end up in Tennessee, and I hate it. I absolutely hate it because, you know, I, I really had that dream of him, him coming home, come back to Houston. These, uh, these rumors – sorry, you go. No, go ahead. Okay, well, these rumors have literally been hit the fans since the beginning of the offseason. So yeah. that's what's giving me the pause. Like, we've been hearing about this since day one. Oh, he's going to Tennessee. People have been, like, leaking that he's he's already signed, like, for throughout the entire offseason. So I haven't seen the recent reports or rumors, so I can't really speak to that. But I think if it, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I feel like I I think it's a money thing, clearly. And if the Titans aren't willing to budge, like, I don't think it would be get, it would get done at this point. I think they've already moved on. They did sign Vic, Be- Vic Beasley as as inconsistent as bad as he is. That's their plan that they want to go right now. So I don't know. I don't think it'll actually happen. Well, it's not about I'm the very- money thing because he turned down the Browns because he didn't want to go there. Well, well yeah, yeah, it's, it's not about money. finding the best situation. It's COVID. It's about finding the best situation, but then also like they still have to pay up. Like even though he'd take a discount for Tennessee, if they're like willing to pay him, I don't know, ten. He's still going to want, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. I guess I don't know everything that's going through the mind. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with COVID. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of good free agents available that in most, in, in normal off seasons would have been signed already. Um, so I think that plays a part. I don't think it's money. You know, I've read reports that he's willing to take, like, 9 to $10 million to potentially play, play for the Eagles. Um, who knows what it would be if he plays for the Titans. I'll say this, though. I would rather him go to Tennessee than go to Indianapolis. Um, I yeah, that'd give me nightmares. I yeah, I I think Indy with Clowney, um, that defense becomes it goes from potentially good or potentially really good to extremely scary in my opinion. Um, I think the Colts have an underrated defense in the AFC South. I don't think people are paying enough attention to who they have on defense. Um, they were uh, a pretty good defense last year. They're they're only going to get better. Their their secondary is extremely young. Um, Kenny Moore will be entering, I think, his third year. Um, Rocky Asin will be entering his second year. Darius Leonard entering his third year. They added DeForest Buckner. Um, they they have you know, Malik Hooker. I mean, they have they have players on on the Indianapolis Colts, and they're all very young. Um, I, I I would be worried if Clowney went there. I still think even if Clowney goes to Tennessee, that the Colts probably have the best defense in um, in the AFC South. Um, but Clowney going to Tennessee would definitely suck. I, I, I want him to go to Philly. Um, I don't want him to be in the AFC South as much as I would like to watch him play twice a year. Yeah, Any, I'm with that. Anything I else think, on Clowney? Yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to add real quick. I think the Colts without the, I don't know. Yeah. Like Clowney is the, is the last piece because I don't trust their pass rush. I don't trust Justin Houston who's gotten a year older. Kamoko Toure, they seem to love and they got some other dude, Ben Bonogu. I don't know. Those guys are both young and getting better. Um, the linebackers are great. Kenny Moore is great. Rocky Sin is, is there Lonnie Johnson. So he's kind of a question mark. Malik Hooker doesn't fit their scheme whatsoever. I would love if he came here. He'd be a perfect fit here. But yeah, I think if Clowney going to the Colts is definitely a nightmare situation. That would be rough. Because Matt Eberflus is a great DC. He's going to know how to use him well. Correct. Yeah, it's more Matt that concerns me than anything else. I mean, he's schematically he's he's probably the best defensive coordinator in the in, in the AFC South and I just I don't know. Their 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 defense is extremely young at almost every position and they just seem to continue to get better. I think Darius Leonard is probably my second favorite person, second favorite player to to watch. That dude's just pops off the film. He's so fun. Um but yeah. John, were you going somewhere with that? You kept nodding your head, so I thought, no. Nope, I was just agreeing. Oh, okay. Just agreeing. Okay. I don't want him in Indianapolis. I don't That's want him on Indianapolis. That's all i got to add to yeah. that. I feel like that would be the type of team where Clowney would have that sack that he's he's looking to have. Uh, or, like, or, sorry, I was reading a comment. Um, a sack that he's looking yeah, to have. Yeah, with Indianapolis, he, would, he wouldn't have season. the stats at the end of the year, but I think he would have the moments, and that's scary. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's get to what we are here for. Uh, so five championships for the rest of your life. How do you divide them? Um, I just give all five of them to the Texans because, um, well, I'm from Los Angeles and we have plenty of rings. So adding another one, guaranteeing another one isn't really needed because we don't need to guarantee it because there's always a chance we'll get one. So I'll just uh, I'll just give them all to Houston. How about you, John? I would give four to Houston and one to South Carolina. Um, I would actually see my dad cry if the Gamecocks won a national championship, so I am all about that. Um, I might cry. Well, I, I would cry too. Let's not lie. I The other four with the Houston, I would cry like a baby every single time. Um, but, yeah, I want to see one for the Gamecocks. Um, they're just – honestly, being a Gamecocks fan, that's they need one. I, there's no – I know I talk about them a lot, as you know, an alumni, but there's no fan base out there that needs a national championship more than the Gamecocks. Um, the school has 20,000 enrollees and they fill a hundred thousand seat stadium. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous. And they got to deal with Clemson up the road, just winning them left and right. It feels like, so they need them. The other four go to Houston, you know, put Deshaun in the hall of fame. I, mm. I get happy tears quite a few times. Um, they went four. I think what my child would actually get a chance to remember once. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think, you know, real quick before I give it to you, Jordan, uh, I mean, it would just cement our conversation of Deshaun being a better football player than Patrick Mahomes. So at that point, uh, we would all three look like geniuses, and we would go viral for our video uh, two weeks ago where we said that he was a better quarterback. So I'm rooting for all five to go to Houston so that we could have our viral moment. Yeah, so I guess for me there's going to be a little bit of an overlap. I am I have two teams, Texans. Lakers. That's it. Um, so I am from Toronto. I'm a Raptors fan, football, footballer 503. I guess I'm a fan because they're my, where I'm from. But Lakers will always be my guy. So I'm because of that, I'm still going to have to give them – I'll give them like two rings. Two, two will be so nice to have. 
Um, but then I will give the, the last three to Texans. We we need that for sure. You guys have said it. I'm not gonna. I can't harp on anymore. Uh, you're right. We need it. We need. To and I just want to answer Cody. I've experienced an Astros World Series. I've experienced a Rockets championship, even though I was so young, I don't remember it. And I've experienced a Longhorns national championship. That's why. That's why they got left out. I haven't forgot about them, but I've experienced all those. Yeah, I can care less about UT football. So. Do you have a college team, James? No. If I did, it would be LSU. Mine's Clemson. Oh, no way. They don't need any help, though. I know. I'm sorry, James. I've, 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 been, gone. I've been holding it in for this long, but... Jo- uh, You're about to go on timeout. John just, John just <laughs> left the chat. Uh, John's not leaving the chat. John owns the chat. <laughs> Jordan's going to leave the chat. Oh, uh, that's funny. Okay, that was a fun little game. All right, so let's get to our first... Position group reviews, Um, as you guys know, uh, and for those new to the stream or to the podcast every year, we do uh, position group reviews uh, leading up to the season. Um, This week, we're going to do cornerbacks. Um, I am in love with the secondary. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, I think that I think the secondary has a lot of potential. I'm going to hand it over first to John, to start his thoughts on the secondary, um, let's start with who cornerback one is and, and your opinion and why and, and kind of what you like about him. And then if it ends up being the same each time, then we'll we'll just kind of skip around. John, kick it off. Well, I'm going to go ahead and point out that nobody likes our secondary. Nobody. 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 Uh, PFF has us at 24, and they're the high ones. Uh, Bleacher Report has us at 31. USA Today has us at 29. Um, the site called Lineups, which actually seems pretty cool that I played around with, though, had tw- us at 28. The score has us at 29. Haven't found an ESPN ranking yet that's individually of just the secondary. However, based on how ESPN is just copying everything PFF says, uh, we're probably, you know, about 23, 24 with them, which, you know, is uh, kind of underrating us. I would put us at worst in the middle of the league. There's enough talent on the secondary that it should be better than in the 20s. With that, we all know who we're going to say number one. Like, I'm not even sure why we're playing this game if we all get to say number one. Because we're all in agreement. It's Conley. If our secondary is to improve over last year, Conley has to continue to show that he's that sort of player that he did the last half of last year when he was being schemed and used in a correct manner, and the Texans have to continue to show that they can do that. Now, if the Texans all all of a sudden forget how to scheme around Conley, or they ask him to do things that he's not as good at, or if he gets hurt, it's probably going to be Roby. Um, And, you know, Roby as a number one isn't that bad. But if you're able, and then Lonnie Johnson is kind of the, he's kind of the wild card. If Lonnie Johnson steps out there and he's ready to play outside, and you're able to move um, Roby to slot, and then you have Connolly on the other outside, that's a very good secondary if they're able to take those jumps. Um, both Reed and Hargreaves, they're passable. Um, Reed, I think, has a lot of – he's going to be a rookie, so that's why I say passable, and I think he has a whole bunch of talent. I think he has a bright future. But Johnson, Conley, Roby – as our three starting corners, that's a good group. That is a better-than-average group. 
that it has the potential to be even better now that they've got an, a year to kind of get to know each other, to develop chemistry, especially with the type of defensive schemes that the Texans usually play. They need to have good chemistry. They need to know where the other player is at. And I think they'll do that this year. Yeah, I think cornerback one, we all know, like John said, Conley, move past that. Since we're talking about all of them, while Conley is cornerback number one, Lonnie Johnson is the most important cornerback on the team. Like John said, if he can at least be average, if, if he can at least hold up his own against wide receiver twos, then we allow him to play on the outside, roping the slot, boom, perfect. I'd rate that secondary a good, like, eight and a half, nine, just because we don't know, because Lonnie is still technically a question mark. Um, and then John also mentioned a great point, is it's all about the scheme. Cornerbacks are one of the scheme most scheme-dependent players on your football team. You have to put them in a position to play to their strengths. And we don't really know what Anthony Weaver's system is going to entirely look like yet. He said all the right things. He wants to play an exotic, aggressive defense, put position, put players in the position that they want to be in. But we got to see it on the field. And for our cornerbacks, they all play better in press. They all play better in man coverage, which has not been Rack's philosophy throughout his entire career. It's been off man, off zone, cover four heavy. But Anthony Weaver is his own man. He takes a lot from Rex Ryan, who plays very aggressive defenses. And we're gonna we're gonna see if he plays them primarily press man for most of the time because you can't always play them press man. Obviously, you have to disguise it. But if that's the primary um, coverage, we're gonna be sitting pretty. Yeah, I mean it's it's very obvious that cornerback one Conley. I mean this this podcast has been about Conley from the moment he was added to this to this team. Uh, I've been ringing the Conley bell as loud as I can. Um, Gary and Conley is cornerback one without any hesitation from anybody on this podcast website or team. With that being said, he's going to have to keep it up and he's pro- he's going to have to step up just a little bit more. Uh, not saying that he was down, not saying that he, I mean, he had moments where he was beat. Obviously he has the ability to be able to requ- recover a lot quicker than most cornerbacks, which is to me one of his biggest traits. Um, and it's something that isn't talked about enough. Um, but, his 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 quickness really wasn't on display last year, uh, but it was it was on display prior to him coming to the team. And there were moments of it with the Texans where you could see his speed. Um, that's going to have to come in. But he, I, I think he's the best cornerback on the team, and I, I do think he's the best cornerback in the division. Um, like Jordan said on his video, um, Bradley Roby. Uh, you know, I, I, I love Bradley Roby. Uh, it, it's it's insane because prior to us getting Gary and Conley, I, I I was high on Roby, talked about him a lot. Everybody knows the Madden story. Um, but when Gary came, it just kind of put Bradley Roby on kind of the back burner. Uh, Roby has to come in and be healthy and and really just mimic. All we need him to do is mimic what he did last season. We don't need much more. Um, he was solid in press man. All, all of our corners are, uh, literally every single one of our corners thrive in press man. Um, and if he could just give us exactly what he did last season, we'll be fine. But you're right, 100%. Lonnie Johnson is the most important piece in the secondary moving forward for this season. We've seen him work out. We've seen what he's been doing with the footwork king. I actually spent the day watching the older videos from when he started working with the Footwork King and then looked at what he's been doing recently, and you can see it. There's a lot. His 
His hips are a lot more fluid. It's almost as if he watched the interview with Antonio Cromartie because now it looks like he's trying to get a little bit lower. He's added some backpedal to some of his training. So um, Lonnie is an extremely important piece for the secondary, and I truly believe Lonnie will put it together. What I don't think people realize is Lonnie hasn't played corner for an extremely long time. Um, and, you know, he was a rookie, didn't get a ton of snaps last season uh, with the additions to, of Hargraves and Conley. Um, this year will be the year. And I, I truly believe that Bill O'Brien went to him and said, look, this offseason, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to put in the effort. We need you to come back this year ready to go. And uh, it looks like he's doing everything that he can. So um, Lonnie's an extremely important piece. He's got everything in his toolkit to be successful. We just got to see all this work in the offseason take like it needs to it needs to turn into uh production on the field and I, I think it will. I really do. I don't want to like bank on it, but I think Lonnie he really just has you know, it says something about a player when they realize their weaknesses, they go attack it and work on it. And then when all they do is work, I mean I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Lonnie Johnson workout videos. And he's wearing a different shirt. He's wearing different this isn't like a repost. He's out there it seems like almost every day. So um Hopefully Lonnie is that piece. So we talked about Lonnie. We talked about Garyon. We talked about Bradley. There's two other corners that we need to talk about. Um, before we get to John Reed, fourth-round pick out of Penn State, let's talk a little bit about Vernon Hargraves. Um, former first-round pick, had a solid rookie year, had moments in Tampa Bay. Last two seasons, it didn't go his way. He, he wasn't awful for us, but he just wasn't the guy that we were looking for. He had moments. Um, Jordan, is Vernon Hargraves a corner that people aren't talking enough about being able to potentially play an integral role in this defense, specifically in the secondary? He, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Vernon Hargraves fan. I'll, I'll be honest about that. I don't love his film, but like your, which I'm sure you'll allude to later, but I'm sure with your interview with Kamardi, he mentioned that a slot cornerback, there's a lot to the mental aspect of the game, and that can lag behind when you're making this transition to a new team, and I'll let you get into that more later. But with Vernon, my 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 hope is that he doesn't have to play. Like we talked about the situation before, as long as, long as Lonnie is good, we don't have to play Vernon. If he's not, then Vernon, then you move Roby to the outside, put Vernon in the slot, and he's always had the athletic ability to play cornerback. He's one of the most athletic corners in the league his testing's off the chart and you see it on the field too um but i don't know i just i just haven't seen enough of his success like even like you said in tampa bay he had his moments he wasn't complete trash he had his moments but he's just never been a consistent player and that's what you really need to be to be a veteran at this point he's he's getting up there isn't he? he's like 25 26 i don't know i, I guess but, that's up there yeah i don't know what i am <laughs> i mean that's that like your point. prime i guess <laughs> yeah i mean that's but like that's Hargreaves deal. He's shown flashes of brilliance and he's shown flashes of just like, what on earth are you thinking? And for a guy that is on his technically on a second contract, um, he really should be over that. I mean, he's got all the physical talent in the world and he has the ability to make some very big plays. And he even shows times where he's got decent instincts, but when they ask him to play, for lack of a better word, when they ask him to play smart, he plays dumb. And playing corner, you've got to do that. And this is a this isn't. I mean, he's 
especially with the responsibilities they ask him to take on at the slot. I think that um, it was mentioned before that our slot rece- our slot corners have more responsibility than any other than any other corner. So that's part of the reason why moving Roby into the slot will instantly make our defense a lot better. But Hargreaves, I mean, honestly, if he can come out there and just show some consistency, he doesn't. If he was unable to reach the same highs that he has, but he gets rid of the lows, then he could be a, a very, very solid player. Yeah, I think but that's a, a lot to ask for a guy going on his fifth year. I think one of the things that isn't being talked about enough is the fact that maybe Vernon won't just be a predominant slot corner. You know, maybe he'll come in and dime packages. Maybe they'll try to play him on the outside a little bit. Um, maybe they saw that he didn't thrive in the slot for, for them, and they try to take take back, peel back some responsibility, let Bradley take over the slot. Um, you know, the slot position isn't a position that should just be looked over, especially in this league nowadays. The slot position is an extremely, extremely uh, important position on the defense. Uh, you have a ton of responsibilities. Uh, you're more. You're more. You need to be engaged with the run with run support. There, there's just a lot of things going on, and uh, some guys can do it. Some guys can't. Um, I, I would like to see Roby play in the slot, but I also I, I like Roby on the outside too. So it, it really puts me in a real tricky position because I think Roby and Conley on the outside is going to be extremely interesting, um, but. I don't know. It's kind of tricky. It's kind of tricky. I, here's the thing with Vernon. It's very rare in the NFL that you see a guy get moved on from, re-signed, doesn't thrive, and then all of a sudden puts it together. Usually, if there's a revamp of any sort, it's usually once signed or traded, kind of like Garyon, right? Garyon struggled in Oakland. They asked him to play zone, uh, play off zone, um, and then he came on, played press man, was solid. With Vernon... He was asked to do the same things he did in Tampa Bay and couldn't thrive. And we cut him, and then we resigned him. The chances of him coming in and being able to do it is going to be – it's its just slim in my opinion. Um, but ideally, sure. I mean, I'd like for every corner to step up and be, you know, this best secondary of all time. I would love that. That would be awesome. But I just can't see it. There's going to be somebody that doesn't pick up their play. And if I had to bet on who it would be, it would be Vernon Hargraves. All right. Um before we get to Patrick Storm, um, last corner to talk about, not to dismiss Keon Crossan um, or Philip Gaines, but uh, rookie cornerback John Reed, 5'10", out of Penn State, probably the guy most fans are, are pulling for. Uh, guy has a ton of heart, has a ton of effort. Um, he's, he's physical for how small he is. Uh, he's definitely a scrapper. Where is his role on this defense, John? When the, when we when we start the season, John Reed was my favorite pick out of the draft, and he's one of those guys. I I am a firm firm believer. If he had three inches in length, he's a first round pick. Changed nothing else about him. Changed no other athleticism scores. Changed nothing on his stats. Just give him three inches. He's a first-round pick. He's a little undersized to play outside. However, he was one of the best outside corners in college football, even though he was undersized. This is a guy that I think is going to get parentally underrated because of size. But I 
I think that I don't think he's going to necessarily be the best out of this draft. Like, I'm not saying that when I say he's my favorite, but I do think the value to return that we're going to get a guy that's going to end up starting and being around for several years in the fifth round is pretty good. Fourth, so that's fourth why round. I love him. Fourth. fourth round, I'm sorry. Fourth round. Jordan. Yeah, for me, John Reed, I love him. I think he's a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of guy. I think he's solid everywhere you want to put him. Solid in the slot, solid outside. He may not excel in one exact thing, but he can play any type of coverage as well as you want. We talked about all the other corners excelling in press man. Reed can play press man, off man, zone, whatever you want him to do. And that has a lot of value in the league. You know, the more you can do, the better. And the one area, because we do have a lot of cornerbacks above him in the depth chart I think the one area where we can, we can really see him get some playing time is James alluded to it before in dime packages put John Reed in a dime linebacker third down like we did with Roby um, in the Patriots game and John Reed can cover he can cover running backs out of the backfield he can drop in a little hook zone he can spy the quarterback he's got the speed for that or he can blitz he's a Swiss army knife that I really hope he gets snaps to prove himself because he's a fun player. He's a smart player. He has the he has like the views and the mentality that Bill O'Brien wants from his players, and that's honestly a huge reason that's why he was drafted. Yep. No, I agree 100. percent I think you guys really kind of hit it on the nose. I, I, you know, as a rookie, we know how rookies are treated within the organization. First and foremost, um, he's not necessarily playing at a deep position, but he is playing at a position where they're there's two solid corners and one potential uh, for another solid corner in Lonnie Johnson. Um, but three corners is not going to be enough. You're going to have to give John Reed some snaps, especially if Vernon isn't able to execute and play at the level that is needed. Um, I like John Reed. I agree. I think like that's the best way to put it. He's, he's basically a, 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 I forgot how you worded it, but you know, he's the master of none, but he has like a ton of, you know, he's good at all. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. It's, really most ideal, but that doesn't mean that he can't become a master of, of something, right? As of right now, that's the case. Let's give him some time to develop. Maybe he does become a master of something, um, and, and that's what you're looking for in a rookie, especially a fourth-round rookie. Um, but John's also right. If you add some, you know, add, give him two, three inches, I don't know if he'll be a first-round corner, but I think he would be a very early second-round corner, and the only reason he probably wouldn't be a first-round corner is because he played at Penn State, but outside of that, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. All right, so uh, overall, I guess to close out the the position group reviews, Jordan, what are your thoughts on just the secondary in general and, and kind of what fans should be thinking as we go into the season? Great secondary that has a potential – or good secondary that has a potential to be a very great – you know, what are your – like what are your expectations for the secondary this season? Yeah, I think you said it. It's a good secondary that has the potential to be great because of because of a couple of reasons. Number one is they're all young. The oldest guy is Bradley Roby at 28. And Conley's young, Lonnie's young. We talked about John Reed, and so they're all they're all on an ascending trajectory. They're really only going to get better from here. And it's natural to expect progression out of Conley, Lonnie, those guys. And the other thing is getting Bradley Roby back for an entire season like I I even forget that he only played eight games for us in the regular season. And you could tell the drop-off in the cornerback play from the games that he did play versus the games that he didn't play, it was massive. It was massive for sure. And so getting him for a 16-game season, getting Conley more comfortable with the system another year under his belt, he's only going to get better. 
Lonnie's putting in the work. You got to respect that. So I think it's it's trending up, and it's it was a weak point of ours for the past couple of years, but we poured resources into it. That's what you want. You want your team to improve, and we've put in the steps to improve it. And now we just got to see it on the field, and I think we're sitting pretty in achieving that. John, do you want yeah, to? Yeah, our group. Okay. The uh, secondary next year has to be better. Last year, they gave up 32 touchdown passes, which was fifth most in the league. They had the eighth most EPA per pass play and the 10th highest passing rating allowed. There is no way that group repeats those numbers. This is one of those where the parts last year individually played better than the, than their sum, or this year I think it flips. This year I think that the, because they have a whole year together, these are guys that have been in the system more than just a couple of games, um, i.e. Connolly. Because remember, we traded through it for him during the season. So getting that whole season, the extra time to acclimate, and then I think that they're going to play a little bit more aggressive on defense with Weaver. I think all those things will will be a plus, and there's no way that they repeat last year's performance, which means at very worst they're going to be middle, middle of the pack, middle of the pack. And at best, they could be a top 10 unit. Fair. That's super fair. All right. All right, let's bring our buddy, our guy, our director of social media, Patrick Storm, onto the stream. Hello, director of social media. How are you? Good, and you? Great. I'm great. Thanks for joining us today on the Houston Football Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So tell us more. Patrick, about how fans will be in the stadium this year and how they will do the spacing. No, I'm just kidding. So, so talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, the uh, kind of some of the things that you learned uh, regarding kind of the stadium. Obviously, with uh, COVID-19, there's a, a lot of processes that are going to need to be put in place. Um, but it, it looks like, as of right now, the plan is to have uh, occupancy of 14,000 fans in the seats. Talk to us a little bit about kind of what that is and uh, kind of how they're going to manage that. So right now the plan, um, obviously, is season ticket holders will get first priority at seats um, if they choose to stay on or, you know, however they're going to handle that. Um, Season ticket holders are going to have to either commit to their seats, um, defer everything to next year, or just ask for a refund. And they're going to have first dibs at the seats. And so once that the team's... The Texans specifically are still formulating the idea or the, the the thought process on how they're going to divide everything up and how they're going to be able to space everybody out. Um, they do know that you know 14,000 will be the max capacity. Um, part of that goes into they're going to eliminate the first eight rows of the lower sections. So sections, the 100s, will have nobody in the first eight rows of seats. And so they're just – they've got a – it's going to be a logistical nightmare that – they're going to have to try to put a seat map together for every game, every home game to try to find out where everybody's going to be able to fit in. So 14,000 sounds a little bit much um, if they're realistically going to be able to have fans there, but uh, I know they're going to try to squeeze every person they can in there to attend a game. Okay. Um, any any news regarding the Texans uh, outside of the um, 
kind of COVID and, and all that other stuff. Anything else you're hearing? You're hearing anything about uh, JD to the Tennessee Titans? That's the rumor. Um, but with him right now, it, it's still kind of an unknown. He's open to going anywhere but here, it seems. Um, anywhere that will pay him some decent money or, I guess, outside of Cleveland. And maybe he'll may end up back in Seattle. It just depends on um, what he feels is the best fit. And he would definitely like to go to to Tennessee. Um, that's been the talk between you know him and a lot of people around him. And so we'll uh, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. I know he, him and Vrabel get along really well, and they talk often. So that's a uh, that seems to be the heavily favored destination. Any any rumors around uh, the the Texans and any free agents? Given that this is a free agent slash or a, a veterans year, uh, any anything that you're hearing? Any rumblings? Uh, I mean, they're 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 poking around the, the defensive line a lot. Um, Everson Griffin, um, guys like that, they're still looking to potentially bring in. Um, a lot of those guys are still kind of they're not gonna they're not gonna make a move until they know what's gonna happen with the league and um, stuff like that too. Now that now that we're starting to get a lot more of a, um, a definitive answer with like IDERs getting put in place. Um, testing procedures, all this stuff that's starting to, you know, formulate between the NFL and the NFLPA, I think we're going to um, we're going to start to see a lot more of these veterans come off the board because now they are able to get into the facility and see team doctors instead of the teams having to take the word of a third party um, physician that they, you know, they're having to trust on on these physicals, CAT scans, MRIs, all this stuff that, you know, that they would normally do in-house. They're having to, you know, they're having to contract it out to somebody else, and it's kind of giving them, a, it's kind of making everybody a little apprehensive to go out and spend some money on 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 players. Yeah, I think one of the things that stood out to me was the fact that today the Texans were basically able to sign almost their entire rookie class within the matter of three hours. Um, yeah, really speaks to me about how fast the transactions could could what they could look like moving forward for the league. Because um, a ton of teams today, if you just look at the transaction report, tons of teams were signing their their, their rookie class. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the free agents. Um, cool. Uh, what else you got for us, Pat Storm? That's really about it right now, man. I'm just kind of excited. Hopefully we we get some football to actually happen. Sports are back around the world. Um, we got soccer, baseball, everything happening right now. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick, big props to uh, Patrick for for managing our social media and doing everything he's doing. We really appreciate the effort you've put forth, dude. It's been uh, a hell of a difference. We can see all of it in the growth and the stats and everything else that we're doing. So uh, you're killing it at the so, as the social media director for Texans Unfiltered. So we really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys are following uh, the Patrick Storm uh, on Twitter and Insta- Instagram too, right? Yeah. Yep, make sure you guys follow him on Instagram as well. And, uh, Patrick, thank you, sir. We will talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, now everybody's favorite segment. It's not as cool as the film Don't Lie, but it is pretty cool. It is Jordan's segment. It is questions. Jordan, what do we got? It looked like there was a lot on the timeline. There were a good amount. There were a good amount. Last week we had a crazy amount, most we ever had, but tonight we've got a lot as well. So we're going to start it off here with at Barry Allen 899 He says he's got two questions for us. First one is, what will the tight end depth chart look like 
I'm going to go to you first, James. What do you think? So I think that I think the tight end depth chart will look like Fells at one, Aikens at two, uh, Kahali at three. I think Jordan Thomas either gets cut or is traded. I don't think we run with four. Um, and the only way I see us running with four is if Colin Gillespie is cut and they start to insert a tight end into that position. Um, but I think Colin is going to be very important on special teams, so I just can't see us. I just can't see us uh, carrying four. Um, while I say that Fells is one and Aikens is two and Kali is three, I think you know when you look at it, I think Aikens is going to be the pass catching tight end. He is going to be the guy that leads it and. If I had to bet any money on a on a breakout player this year, okay, I called Zach, uh, and now I'm calling another one. Jordan Jordan Akins is going to be the breakout player for the Houston Texans this year. I promise you, he is going to be a top five tight end in the league by the end of this season, and he's going to surprise everybody. Uh, and then Phils will be there for the red zone stuff, uh, blocking. Even though he isn't amazing at it, he's unfortunately our best blocker. Um, and, you know, maybe Kahali comes in and starts to take that role. I'm not sure. I, Kahali didn't do a lot of blocking at San Diego State. It's Blocking isn't usually something you just pick up. Uh, usually it's something you, you've, you've learned over time, and you're able to just kind of step into the NFL and, and kind of perfect it. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of how I see the tight end depth chart. Jordan? Yeah, so I'm right there with you. And actually, interesting about, thing about Fells, uh, did you guys know, did he get injured last year? I don't think he did, right? No. Okay, because what I found was really weird is his blocking was great first half of the season. It was great. It was spotless. Then it was the Colts game. After that, it just dropped off. And he started blocking like it looked like he was injured. Like I saw a bunch of plays where instead of like actually like shooting out his hands and trying to get into the chest and make a block, he would just like throw his shoulder or throw his butt out or like throw his back. It was just weird to me. So I don't know if he got injured and that would explain it, why the bad blocking happened. And then, oh, we can look into the next season and, and be optimistic about his blocking. But I, I don't know. I didn't see anything. That sounds like a shoulder injury. Yeah, he drives it. That sounds like a shoulder injury. Yeah. It might have been something minor. That's why it wasn't like officially reported or processed or whatever. But I'm with James. Talent-wise, Aikens deserves to be tight end number one. Hopefully he does have that breakout season. I think they need to use him a little bit differently. Um, but Fells, they believe, and his reputation has always been as a blocker. And Bill O'Brien loves tight ends who can block. That's that's always been his mentality. It's run first, have good blockers all around to improve that. So I'm with you on that. I think Kahale is third as well. And then Jordan Thomas, the only reason why Jordan Thomas hasn't gotten cut, in my opinion, is because he was the star of training camp last year, which came out of nowhere. And so they're hoping that he can return to that form. He can shock everyone yet again because he is he's an athletic freak. He's got the build. He's got the tools to be a mismatch weapon, to be our Travis Kelsey. But he's just got to put it all together, and hopefully that happens because he's he's on the brink of the roster for sure. Um, okay, we'll go to John with the next one. Well, I was going to add something about the yeah, uh, sure. tight ends. you got to keep in mind that Fells plays in line. Um, Aikens plays flex. Um so it's two different positions, and it's just how often are they going to both be out on the field? Because Jordan Akins, I mean, you don't want him to put on enough weight to turn into an inline tight end. Because um, if he does that, he'll probably lose some of his, his ability to be explosive. That is one risk about having an older tight end like Akins, um, is he just doesn't have the time to add that weight. What's interesting about Kahali and Jordan Thomas is both of those guys kind of have the potential to do both. 
Now, Kahali looks like he would be more likely to be able to do both. Um, just because he was a third round pick, because there's, because unfortunately teams do believe in draft capital. Third round pick versus Jordan Thomas, who's a sixth round pick. Even though Jordan Thomas is an absolute freaking nature, like he just size speed freak. He should, hopefully, like he's got the size to do it and he's got the speed to play flex. Like he could, he could do both. It's just whether or not he puts it all together. Yeah, I think you made a good, great point about who's going to be on the field and what position because we were one of the, more popular teams to run two tight end sets. We ran it very often. I forget the exact number, but it was it was high up there. And now with all the wide receivers we have, we're four deep with above average starters at the very least. That's the worst you could say about them is that they're above average starters. So I would expect to see a lot less two tight end sets. And if we're going to that spread it out style, like you said, you're not going to want to play Fells as that inline tight end. You're going to want Aikens out there on the field as like the Travis Kelsey kind of role. So We'll see. We'll see how what the scheme looks like with Tim Kelly. All right, next question still from the same dude, Barry Allen. He says, with the reports of 80-man squads instead of 90, do you think any undrafted free agents will have a chance to make the squad? Um, so, John, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, as of right now, we're at 86. So a lot of those guys that are intriguing that would usually be on the, on the practice squad, yeah, they would have a chance this year more so than anything. Um, however, this is kind of like a trying to get in Bill O'Brien's head because we've been kind of talking about how it's the year, uh, the year of the vet. He doesn't want to have rookies. So even though there's a larger roster, there's more rosters spaces. I believe those six people that would be cut would all be low end rookies just because they don't, they haven't had a chance to get acclimated. However, the guys that if those guys that would typically be bubbles like um, Simmons who we're really high on, he would definitely make the 80 men. Whereas a traditional size roster, he probably is going to be on the practice squad. Oh, you're looking at it like that way. I was looking at it because the, the squads are smaller. Those fringe guys aren't going to make it whatsoever. That's how I was viewing it. I don't know. But for me, I think you you did make a good point about the rookies that haven't been in the system, don't know the system, they're not going to make it. I don't think Tyler Simmons is going to make it. I don't think Scotty Phillips, unfortunately, is going to make it. As much as I love them, Bill O'Brien, like you said, he's going to want to trust his guys, his guys who have been in-house, the Stephen Mitchells of the world. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but those guys who've just been lingering around as, as your fringe guys who at least know the system and he can trust, those are going to be the guys to make it, unfortunately, not many undrafted free agents. Real quick, I actually think Tyler Simmons makes the team, and he's the only one that does, and, and here's why. I think that they go with Kiki, drop Carter, and let Tyler Simmons take over the returning duties, and Kiki is the backup slot wide receiver. That's how I see this out. This is how I see it playing out. Tyler Simmons is such a... I don't know. He... He's just special when it comes to returns, and we haven't had that in a long time. Yeah, he's such a dynamo with the ball, he just can't run routes. And if you're asking him to do what he's done for the last, you know, since high school, I don't know if you're trusting him to do something different than what he's already done and if that part really plays a part into the decision. So I actually think Tyler Simmons finds a way on the roster, but I don't know if I see another – another undrafted rookie make the team. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. You know, and then, so the next question is, just going off that same lines from at Fire Bill O'Brien, he says, who do you expect to get cut now that we know the roster limit and we are over it? Um, 
I guess, like we said, the main guys on our mind, DeAndre Carter, maybe Jordan Thomas, maybe Kiki QT, uh, maybe some of the some of the veteran O-line that we have. Um, we signed some dude, Brett Quavale. I don't know if he's going to make it now that we got Charlie Heck. Um, those are the guys off the top of my head. Do you guys got any others? Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, his name is just hard to say. Azua Alofua. Uh, out of West Georgia, the nose tackle, undrafted guy. He probably won't make the team. Cornell Armstrong, uh, unfortunately, I don't see um, Pat's guy, David uh, Bellamy, or Davin Bellamy, make the team. Um, and then I think that, I don't think DeAndre Carter will be a part of the initial cuts. Um, I think that's going to take some time. I, I think your guy from TCU um, might be one of the guys that doesn't make the team as well, which I think would be a mistake, but. Yeah, he's got an uphill battle because the interior O-line spots, they're all locked up. And then we've also got Greg Manx and Vicenio Calamente, he's, he's still on the team, I believe. So they've got the vet, they've got the backup spots even right. locked up. So as much as I love that dude, he's probably not going to make it. Um, but, yeah. Okay, moving on, next question. Uh, What do we got? What do we got? So Cody Johnson, we kind of answered this already. If the Titans do, in fact, sign Clowney, do they have the best defense in the division? Answer that already. So next one, at Report Texans says... As much as you love Conley, do you think they let Conley walk after this year and have Lonnie take over that cornerback two spot if he's up to speed by next year? Or do you see them keeping this group of cornerback cornerbacks around for multiple years? Uh, I guess we're going to John. John, or is it James? Depends on the money. Depends entirely on the money. Um, I think they should have picked up his fifth-year option, and they didn't. And, I mean, it was projected for $10 million for an extra year of him. And if he comes out there and has this type of season that we expect him to have, he's going to demand at least 14 to 15, maybe more. 14 to 15, wow. Uh, I think a midseason extension happens. I don't think you give up a third-round pick and not sign him long-term. I expect the contract to be a little bit more than what Bradley Roby plays because I think that that was more of a slot-type contract than an outside corner contract. Uh, I think Conley will probably get anywhere from, you know, 11.5 to 12.5, maybe 13. Uh, but he's going to be on the team. I, I don't see it, unless he just has a complete drop-off, which, you know, potentially could happen. He could get injured. There's lots of things that can happen. But I think if he goes out and performs, and I'm pretty sure that's what he was told by by Bill O'Brien, handshake deal, look, this isn't this has nothing to do with you. We obviously like you. We traded a third-round pick to get you. I had you here for a pre-draft visit. You know that I like you. Um but we have other money that we have to allocate. We have to figure out where it's going with Deshaun, Zach, all our other free agents right now. Tying up that money, it just from a financial standpoint, isn't smart for us to do right now. Go out there, show us you can do it, and I promise you we'll take care of it. Yeah, you guys, you guys said it all perfectly. I can't really have much more there. I think just off a of pure numbers standpoint, Roby was super team-friendly deal like we talked about. He's actually only the 14th highest paid cornerback in the league. Um, and the top cornerback is Darius Slay right now. He's making around 16.6 mil a year. So using that as a benchmark, no, Conley's not going to top that. He's not going to reset the market unless he has the most ridiculous season ever, 10 interceptions, whatever. He's not going to top that, but like John said, I do imagine around 13, 14 mil, which is a lot to pay, but cornerback's the premium position. Cornerback one, if he's your guy, you got to pay him. And Conley, we all believe in him. Hopefully the rest of the team, Bill O'Brien, and the rest of the media does as well. Um... So that's about that question. Next one is from at Views of Phoenix. He says, is John Reed potentially already the second best slot corner on the team? 
What do you guys think? Maybe. I don't know. I think Roby's probably the best slot corner we have on the team right now. Um, so you would have to probably – I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. Uh, you know, I know that we talk a lot about Vernon, but, you know, with the roles and responsibilities of the slot in this defense, I don't know if that's something he's going to be able to take on immediately. Um, I think that's a tough one. I think based on the scouting and just kind of his draft potential and what he did at Penn State, I think there's a chance. Um, but it's hard to be able to, to, to do that without seeing him play a snap in the NFL. John? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. It's one of those things that he hasn't stepped on the field yet. He's still a later round pick. Now, I I love him and I think he's going to be great. But starting out day one, I mean, if he is, then that's awesome. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But, he, yeah, he's probably not. Yeah, I think like we talk about with Lonnie and having patience with him and talking about cornerback being such a hard transition, it's going to be the same thing for John Reed. And Lonnie was a second-round pick. John Reed was the fourth-round pick. So the expectations have got to be a lot lower for him than they are even for Lonnie. So. But he was, I believe he was a senior though, so that transition should be a bit easier than Lonnie's was. But I think that's all the questions that I have. Let me double check. Yep, that's it. Awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, we got one in the chat, uh, Casey Lilly. Uh, do you all think Weaver will use our linebackers better to their strengths? Jordan, I'll let you take this one. Um, from what I've seen, so basically, okay, I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about what our linebackers do well and what I learned about Rex Ryan's scheme. So our linebackers, everyone wants to talk about how they're bad in coverage. And I'll say that they're bad in man coverage. But they're they solid. They're at least decent in zone coverage. They're not complete liabilities. I think Zach Cunningham, Zach Cunningham is actually a positive in that area. And Bernard Kinney, he's just eh. But the way that we can better utilize our linebackers especially um, Benardrick McKinney, is you want to keep him on the field on third downs, and the way you do that is don't ask him to drop in coverage. Just blitz him. We blitzed him a ton early in his career. He had five, five and a half sacks as a rookie, and we just stopped going to that, and I don't know why. And I would love for that to happen. I don't know if Weaver is going to do that because when I was watching Rex Ryan's schemes, he would rather he likes to blitz DBs and especially nickel corners rather than linebackers. And he'll have his linebackers drop in coverage a lot, which isn't ideal. But I don't know. We don't know if entirely if Weaver is going to – he's not, obviously not just going to completely copy Rex Ryan's scheme. So he can have his own little touches on it. Um, I think we've talked about a lot on the pod that a rookie defensive coordinator, they don't have, like, the greatest track records. So we got to give him patience too. we got to give him time. Um, it's going to take time to put everything together, but I'm excited about Weaver because he, he said all the right things, so I, I hope that he, he can use them to the strengths. Absolutely. All right. Uh, all right, guys, that's going to be our stream. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, checking us out. Make sure you guys hit the uh, like and subscribe button. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys, again, go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered if you guys are interested in sending a Welcome to Houston uh, package to David Johnson. Um, make sure you guys... Uh, subscribe to the third tier and we'll be putting that together here by the end of the week, uh, potentially early next week. Uh, this week we are doing our Patreon, uh, bonus content video. We are breaking down guardians of the galaxy one and two. 
Uh, we really appreciate you, your guys' support. Thank you guys for everything. Uh, Footballer503, I just saw you subscribed, and yet I see you in here every week, so we appreciate the, the subscription. Uh, thank you to Cody and Preston for everything you guys do behind the scenes. It's it's much appreciated, except for when Cody talks to me about the Rockets. Um, where to find us? You guys can find, find us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungRAGold. Uh, don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts and Patrick Storm at the Patrick Storm on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you guys go to the website, www.texansunfiltered.com. Uh, Jordan, what do you got coming on the website this week? Uh, I just posted an article about why the Texans will win the AFC South next season. You know, there's been a lot of doubt, but I gave three main reasons. It's basically Deshaun, our passing offense is going to be the best in the league, and the key coaching changes that we made promoting Tim Kelly and um, promoting Anthony Weaver as well. And I talk about all the other teams in the division, so that's a good read. And tomorrow will be the next volume of Watson Watch, which looks at weeks five to, I can't count, to nine, five to nine of the 2019 season. So, yeah, if you want to relive those through Deshaun Watson's eyes, see how he's improved over the years, how he reads defenses, looking at Bill O'Brien's offensive scheme, stuff like that. I break it all down in that article, which will be out tomorrow. Fantastic. And then I have an article coming out this week. I think, do we agree on Thursday? I know I was going to do it yesterday. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I don't know when it's coming, but it'll be there this week. And then me and Jordan are going to team up on our uh, position group reviews and kind of give you guys a different perspective for both of ours. We already have the cornerback one done. That should be on. That one is on Thursday, uh, and we'll have more content coming from you, for you guys too. So as training camp ramps up. Uh, again, appreciate you guys. You guys can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. And with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.